You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. What is going on with the DeSantis campaign? Well, they are certainly not living up to expectations, and they're starting. They've cut staff. All of a sudden, they burned through a lot of money. Um, I think the whole strategy that he employed, where he would not do what they considered mainstream media interviews, I think that was a mistake. I think also he's doing too much to try to, um, you know, kind of just say, like, I'm better than the president, meaning President Trump. And instead, just, I think, just make your own case uh, for why you should be considered. So, but let's hear. Here is um, the latest with uh, ABC. He's struggling to get on track, cutting staff. His new numbers show his campaign is burning through cash. Rachel Scott is tracking the race. Good morning, Rachel. George, good morning to you and those new campaign numbers showing early warning signs for Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Just weeks into his campaign, now faced with the reality that he's burning through too much cash too quickly, already slashing staff. This morning, campaign shakeup. With just over a month to go until the first GOP debate, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis cutting staff and shifting his strategy. We have got to get the job done. Sources tell ABC News the campaign let go of roughly a dozen staffers and is now focusing on those critical early states, holding off investments in other battlegrounds. It comes as new finance reports show the DeSantis campaign burned through nearly $8 million in just six weeks. One of his major expenses, private air travel. But money is not the only problem for DeSantis. The governor, who has long been seen as Donald Trump's biggest Republican rival, is still trailing him in the polls. We obviously are going to do a lot more work and, and get a lot more done. Trump reported the most cash on hand. The former president feeling so confident about his lead, he says he may even skip the first debate. Why would you let somebody that's at zero or one or two or three It'll be popping you with questions. His rivals taking aim. I'm happy to say right now, come on, Donald, get on the stage and defend your record. Candidates need 40,000 individual donors to make that debate stage. And these new numbers reveal that former Vice President Mike Pence and former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson are struggling to meet that threshold. Now, as for the DeSantis campaign, sources tell me that more changes are expected soon and the Florida governor will be resetting his media strategy. Robin. I don't um, I don't I don't see why why would President Trump get involved I don't why would he get involved in the debate when all he could do is go down and someone else could, I don't I just mean early on until they thin out the field now this is uh, News Nation did a piece the on the DeSantis thing as well from the major GOP contenders news that Governor DeSantis is now cutting staff as his campaign is losing steam in his bid for the nomination. And he raked in a lot of money from large donors early on in the race, uh, but he is burning through that fast. And with his numbers lagging in the polls, the tables have turned for the man that many consider to be the only contender for former President Trump. White House correspondent Allison Harris has reaction from the DeSantis campaign. Um, so Allison, what are they saying? Good morning, Marky. Good morning to you, Adrian. This morning, the DeSantis campaign is defending the candidate amid that negative narrative that's surrounding the Republican 2024 contender. His campaign is telling us, quote, Americans are rallying behind Ron DeSantis and his plan to reverse Joe Biden's failures and restore sanity to our nation. And his momentum will only continue as voters see more of him in person, especially in Iowa. We are building a movement to go the distance. An analysis of campaign finance disclosures shows the Florida governor raised more than $20 million in his first six weeks, but his campaign has already spent about 40% of that money. The DeSantis campaign boasts that his fundraising rivals the former president's, but one report states that the campaign now only has about $9 million left for the primaries. And DeSantis's team is now shedding some of its 92 staff members, including less than 10 who are event planners, perhaps to cut costs. Besides the group that was fired, two other key DeSantis advisors have left the campaign to work for private groups who are supporting DeSantis. DeSantis is still trailing behind the former president in the polls by double digits in national polls and some key state polls. Now, all of this uh, means that DeSantis is expected to face hard questions about the state of his campaign when he meets privately with donors in the coming weeks. Now, meanwhile, President Biden's fundraising numbers 
are more than double that of former President Trump and also any other candidates. Biden's reelection campaign has already raised $72 million in the second quarter, but his favorability, his approval rating, it continues to stay in the low 40s. Listen, none, none of this, he, he, he should stop wasting his money. President Trump has the lead. Uh, nothing, no dynamic is going to change until President Trump starts to get on the debate stage. Right now, I believe it's all name recognition. So I wouldn't even worry about Biden. Biden's got his own problems. The question is, who's going to be the Republican nominee? So the race is slowly taking shape. And I think it's going to be interesting if Pence, who's one of the first ones out there, if he can't even reach the threshold, which is very likely, by the way. And I'm not surprised at that. I, I don't. I don't think he's, you know, I know people don't like the whole expression, whether or not they have a lane, but I don't think he's got a lane. I don't think so. Right now, President Trump is beyond the front runner, um, looking for a reason to make it actually a race. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Right off of 146, delicious food and drink. Always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area. There's normally a game on and a nice group of people there. Or you can sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather. They have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. You are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he's the managing editor, AnchorRising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, I just want to start off with, I mean, I, I just think with the literally millions and hundreds of millions and billions the state has spent, and as you and I have talked about, especially Governor McKee was the wrong person to have at the helm as all this COVID money was coming in, throwing it around to state employees, millions here, millions there, 40 million, more than that, and bonuses, blah, blah, blah. And um, just the amount and the condition of the state with the flooding of these roads. Now, granted, we, you know, OK, you get an inch of rain, two inches of rain, but still it is uh, it, it is incredible, Justin how poorly our roads still are and the amount of it's third world uh when we when the state experiences some element of rain well yeah i mean we're we're the ocean state you'd think we'd be able to handle uh a little bit of water come flowing through i mean this is you know the the amazing thing about it is the the degree to which it, it all just serves this kind of climate hysteria um yes. and it's really i find it really instructive it's almost like an excuse um i one of the local progressives that during the last rainstorm was showing pictures, I think from Vermont, where there was water flooding on a on a mountainside road. And, and to me, that's an obvious infrastructure design problem. You've got a road on a mountain that can't shed water. That's not because of climate change. You didn't drink. And you've got something very similar here. I mean, uh, the, the idea that when it rains a lot, um, water will build up. I mean, that's somewhere something is causing it from draining. Or, or not allowing us to to remove it. I mean, we've had aqueducts since the Roman Empire. There's no reason this shouldn't be taken care of. But with the climate change narrative, it serves them to make it sound like this is just weather. There's nothing they can do because they get they get a double double hit on that, and they get to say, "Well, look, it's climate change. Give us more power. Let us give our union friends job and clean energy and all that." And also, hey, it's not our fault. The infrastructure isn't isn't working. I mean, we've all seen by now on social media, these pictures of, of the state workers out on the highway trying to clear drains and, you know, one person is clearing a drain, two are sitting there watching them. This is all stuff that can be handled. It's not as if there's a mystery to building a, a kind of a waterproof locality. We, we can do these things, but the we, we don't spend the money wisely and we for, we force ourselves to pay probably three or more times what infrastructure ought to cost by all our ridiculous labor policies. You know, that's exactly right, Justin. It is interesting how they now just try to argue that, uh, try to argue their political agenda. But, it, you know, all of that, there are certain spots as well. I, 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 For the life of me, I don't understand why, you know, as you mentioned, you know, then you see the state workers out there clearing the drains. That should be part of 
of, of regular maintenance. It shouldn't take that. Or you know the storm is coming. When they're going to, uh, when the flood is coming, when, when they know that there's going to be a lot of snow, they, you know, pre-salt and pre-treat the roads. I, I don't understand where's the delay in, in getting that type of preparation when we're experiencing heavy rain. It's not like it just sneaks up on us. You know, you know it's coming at least seemingly 24 to 36 hours ahead. I also want to get your thoughts on, there was a piece I sent to you, um, flee Rhode Island as soon as possible. And we'll talk about the, um, the, the latest business rankings and where the state is, um, is ranked. But I, I just think, Justin, that type of headline, as much as some people shrug it off, you know, you think of this. You don't see that with states that are successful and being well, uh, well run. Right. I mean, that's whether or not the headline is fair. It doesn't it doesn't much matter. The headline is out there. Right. <laughs> I mean, and you need to. That's the story about Rhode Island. I mean, and I, I think the headline is fair and people have been proving it for 20 years. They're fleeing the state and it, it affects everything we do from taxes to economy to education. People are leaving because of these these sorts of rankings. They're not they're not just arbitrary. Let's get Rhode Island. It, I mean, that comes from uh, Wall Street. 24-7, I think it's called, who, who their business model seems to be to, to come up with indexes and run them for all the states and then get headlines for them all. And so they're not, they've got nothing against Rhode Island. They're just creating what they think is a is a reasonable comparison of states. And people do look at these things because when you're making decisions, whether it's a family or a business or whatever, you do look at, well, what's my impression of places and how is it ranked? You, you know, people there are multiple of these rankings. And frankly, in some ways, I think this, this one in particular, uh, well, the, based on the CNBC one is, it takes a bit of, uh, is friendlier to Rhode Island than it ought to be because it, for education, for example, it takes into account things like how much you're spending, which isn't a reflection of how well students are learning. But even so people take these things seriously and you can't have these headlines out there. You need to combat them. And yet there's no, I mean, at least in prior it, the, the thing that's strange this time around is these we get these rankings every every year every couple of years depending some of them and in the past it's become a big thing i mean in in the, the zeros uh, or around 2010 ish this the state legislature was actually conducting special hearings and, and events to talk about these rankings and what can right. we do about this now it's like nothing oh well whatever nobody's even paying attention and that to me is is distressing and it because because it shows nobody is holding the politicians feet to the fire which suggests that they're they're bought off they do not have to care they are completely disconnected from the lives of, of actual rhode islanders and as soon as i i have a feeling as soon as the COVID money you mentioned as soon as that's gone we're we're in for some big big trouble because there's there's nowhere for the state to go we were we were like a like a, a profligate person who was already burning through all their money got a windfall and now hard times have come and the windfall is going to be gone soon that's where we're going to be uh so I, I think these conversations are going to be forced on us whether the politicians like it or not now, justin also on that list and folks it's the uh, business friendly states Top of the list. It's also a fluid list. North Carolina now is vaulted to number one. Uh, the Carolinas, good place to do business. It's business-friendly states, the way they're ranked by CNBC. Rhode Island falls 45. You have to look at the geography. The states behind us, Hawaii, Alaska, obviously very difficult to do business. Just uh, on the you know the demo, the sheer um, you know logistics of trying to get goods in and out. And then you have places like Louisiana and Mississippi. But, Justin, I think what's so alarming here is I, Massachusetts is 15th of the nation and Connecticut, I think, is right around 30th. That's the part to me that should jump out. It's the neighboring states. You know, they can't just point to the northeast. It's the two states that surround us that are considered far more favorably to do business. Yeah, well, that's that's. We're, we're always last in southern New England and last often in New England and last or down in the country. I mean, think about you think about the pride of the local, you know, kind of snobby northeastern progressives. I mean, we're we're just a step above West Virginia. You know, we're like three steps above Mississippi. I mean, that's that's Rhode Island's peer states, not Massachusetts, right. not no. Connecticut, the southern states that people around here tend to mock. And if you look at it, kind of like I, I 
what, what these companies do, the CMBSC does, is they, they find a bunch of measures, objective numbers, or relatively objective, and put them into an index and weight them as they think, and then they come up with different categories. And it, you can look into it and see where we're actually doing poorly. I mean, we're, it's infrastructure, it's economy, it's yep. the cost of doing business, and education. These are all areas where Rhode Island is bottom 10. That's that. There's no reason for that. We're in such a good location, uh, not only surrounded by Massachusetts and Connecticut, right on the water, northeast between Boston and New York. We've got history. We've got a lot of heritage, a lot of great resources. Yet we we can't seem to break out of the bottom five or six of these these kind of rankings, and it's it has to do with bad governance. I mean, we were just talking yeah. about the flooding and infrastructure. When you you can you almost I can sort of sympathize. When I was on the town council in Tiverton, we talked about the the aqueducts and they needed to be cleared. Well, why aren't they? Well, you know, you've got to have five people on every job, so you can't you can't have just one person whose job it is to drive around and clear drains, and because you need the the contracts, the union requirements make it so impossible to do intelligent management. So that's one reason. And the other reason we just spend so much money on other things. We say, hey, we'll fix your roads. People get elected on that. And then they go and spend the money on other things. And the roads don't get fixed because it pays for them to be bad because people vote in the government. Oh, we need government to fix the roads. We're in a real problem with Rhode Island. And other indexes we've seen recently, things like um, we've got one of the worst drops in children under five young families are not living here they're not staying here they're leaving this is exactly why you cannot advance in this state and it's a big big problem but there doesn't seem to be anybody holding the government's feet to the fire on it folks quick break what's where i hit politics this week justin katz managing editor anchorising.com right here on the john DePietro show aj drywall plaster home improvement Call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252, AJ, Drywall Plasters Home Improvement, Frame to Finish Basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings. Look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions. Also, commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling. Contact them today. It's a family-run business. AJ Drywall Plaster Home Improvements. Call for a free quote. What a difference they'll make in your home, your ceilings, floors, basements. 401-323-9252. What a difference. Beautiful walls and ceilings. 401-323-9252. You can also find them on Facebook. It's AJ Drywall Plaster and home improvements for your home or business. Our segment is politics this week. With us is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, uh, Fox Business had a headline, Rhode Island Horror Bill, a test run for more Democrat-led states, experts warn. You know, this is one of those things. I still, I don't understand why there wasn't more vocal opposition by the Republicans at the Rhode Island State House. But basically, this is a way for them to do fact-finding, the unions, to me, to find out who are these private contractors. Let's get who they are. Let's charge them money. But more importantly, you know, they want to know who's taking away business that seemingly to me could be union business. Uh, I, I see this as special interest is meddling in getting the government to almost like, you know, do their, their dirty business for them. But it is to a large degree. I mean, we, we we should be careful. A lot of the the analysis of the bill that's making national headlines is not accurate. Uh, it, this is an incremental strategy, not a big splash like it's the, the newsmakers seem to be making it out to be. Uh, but the it is definitely part of the part of the union strategy. I mean, the. the these particular registrations have been around. The law was actually the, the policy was actually created in the I think it was 2008 or maybe 2000. So it's it's not new. They're just they're incrementally ratcheting it up. And the the real big headline to me was was a separate legislation, and we've talked about it before, where they made it a felony to misclassify employees. Uh, what that means is uh, an employer, if you if you say your your people are independent contractors, but they're really employees and they should be getting other benefits, that's a, that can be a felony with up to three years in prison. Uh, but the thing is, misclassification is not just lying to your employees. It's if you, if I'm an independent contractor, if I go to a business and I work with them as an independent contractor and 
somebody else is doing the same and somebody complains there's an investigation and if we're the the court will look at the are you really truly acting as an independent contractor and if not i mean employers are facing up to three years in prison and, and life wow. life destroying amounts of of uh life destroying amounts of fines and fees and back pay and it the employees might be fine with the way the arrangement they had, but this is the strategy is to, to make it risky, uh, dangerous to hire independent contractors because it's, it's a, an obvious uh, challenge to labor unions who want everybody to be paid according to strict contractual rules that with the union heads getting a cut. And so the, I think you, you pointed to the, maybe the most disturbing part about it is there's nobody here pushing back i mean it just there's nothing you don't get any noise about it you don't get it just it's almost like all of the defenses we have against just profligacy or have disappeared all we really have is however much willingness uh, or or fear um the politicians have of actually destroying the state i mean that's really the only thing protecting us from the labor unions electing people to give them more money and more power but it's it is it's a problem especially in this economy i mean i i have clients around the country and especially for newer companies independent contractors are on both sides of it as an independent contractor and as the business they fill a very important need and they, they create a lot of opportunity and rhode island is unbelievably sitting on that trying to crush it i mean at this point we've got such a great location we should be attracting people from around the world to say i work online i can live anywhere how about i live in this place with an airport between boston between new york right on the water what a great place to live but instead we are letting the unions change policy to make it impossible to find jobs unless you go through the whole uh, gauntlet of of labor union uh labor union organization i mean that's that's a real it's it's mind-blowing what an opportunity rhode island is missing with that now justin there's another piece of legislation and i noticed there's a pattern where it's the individuals in this case it's greenleaf compassion center uh that they're bringing out something that i what i like also about the social state current is they brought out in the first piece of legislation that were not everyone there was no mention of it so then they, you know, they, they send it back to committee, they get nibble at the edges, they kind of refine it a little bit, they send it back, but then tucked in there is the fact that you have to hire and have an, a, a, or a recognized union working in these cannabis businesses. Now, again, I, I don't recall anyone at Third Island State House uh, bringing this out or screaming like, why is this in there? You read the article, Pat Crowley's mentioned, so you have all these business owners that are very anxious to get involved with the cannabis business. And then you find out and they're learning that they have to deal, you know, deal with the likes of Crowley and, and the like. And the state has mandated that you have to have union workers in there. And in Massachusetts, they don't have that. And you don't have to have that. So right. what an unbelievable disadvantage for the Rhode Island businesses. It is. And it, I mean, it, it gives you a sense of where the unions are going. They want this. You know, we, yes. we talk in the past about you know, the never ended contracts for teachers unions, yep. firefighters. You have to negotiate. They, they have no incentive to actually negotiate because they'll just wait until until the, the business. Well, then usually it's the government agency is able to meet their demands. And that's that's the game they play. And the unions are trying to push that into the private sector. They want every business to be basically a government agency that's their yes. objective so they take i mean a chilling comment in that from crowley was that um you know one of the arguments greenleaf is putting forward is the state has no no vested interest to be able to tell us to have we have to have these labor union contracts and crowley says oh high taxes and regulations that's you know the state has a vested financial interest in your business well you can say that about anything so that's right. that's really where they want to go and i i think you're exactly right the problem is nobody spots these things i mean there was no. there was a time a decade ago when i was with the center for freedom and prosperity and I'll, although i hated it <laughs> i read every bill and just about every amendment i could and especially if something like this which was economic or having to do with business i would have read it and said put a put a flag on a flagpole hey wait a second look what just got in here out of nowhere but there's nobody doing that there's no capacity for that because there's no there's no real financial interest and that that to me is another sign that that serious business people are just escaping they're fleeing as wall street 24 7 suggested i mean they're, they're getting out of here there's no reason for them to try to affect the legislation because they know they can't especially with mail ballots now they know they they can't win they can't 
they may get a, a year or two reprieve, but then something happens, they look away, and boom, the unions who have people paid many, many people paid six figure salaries to sit there and, and work year after year after year to push these things will will win in the long run. And that, that's one of the that's this particular controversy with the, the cannabis industry, I think, is another big red flag for anybody who might want to do business in the state. Absolutely. Not only that, if you can get it in there, then you start to work it into to different places that, again, are like regulated by by the state. But Justin, you mentioned, you know, true, the media or uh, independent group should have spotted it. But at the same time, there are people on the payroll up at the Rhode Island State House that work for the Republican Party. And I'll, I know him. He was the chairman. But like Brandon Bell is legal advisor to, you know, the Republicans in the Senate. I don't know how someone like that, he literally is paid to read the bills. And I don't know how they don't think it's significant enough. To, unless some deal is cut to to draw attention to this, because it seemingly, you know, if this guy uh, who's bringing the lawsuit, this this dispensary owner, if he were not bringing the lawsuit, you and I would still not be talking about it. I I mean, we we pay attention. We follow it as carefully. I'm going to put us in the one percent. Uh, I haven't heard anyone, you know, talk about that. His whole situation where now, you know, this makes matters even worse that not only would they not let them advertise, but then on top of that, that now you have to have the likes of Pat Crowley and his cronies going in there and getting union workers in there. They're going to drive these people out of business. Yeah, um, with the other. I mean, we, we were just, their headlines, well, at least on social media, Anchor Brewery in California going out of business. They're unionized. They're, they were recently unionized and boom, out of business. That's yes. that's a big problem. And I think one of the issues here is the, the cannabis folks are in, in a pickle because basically the government has said we're going to legalize something illegal so that we can control it. And so they're, on the one hand, they've got it, they're kind of on the side of government in, because it's basically a government industry that's privatized to some degree. Uh, but on the other hand, they've got to look out for their own interests and, and they are bearing a lot of the financial risk. And so they're in a tough position, but it's absolutely the direction that these union want, people want to go. And I thought the same thing. I mean, imagine uh, trying to start a business in Rhode Island and suddenly the government forces you to deal with Pat Crowley. I mean, that's, wow. that's, that's I mean, just, I mean, people don't know him, but, but, They'll get to know him quickly, and the, it doesn't take long to research these folks and realize what you're having to deal with. And why bother? Go to a different state, and you're right. you're good. You know, if you like it here, get a summer home or or you know rent something. But it, it's one of those things. They just Rhode Island is so set up for the small group of elites to to keep their their special deal going that I think people are gotta con- conclude that no, this is just not worthwhile. And that's why I think they aren't investing in the thing. I mean, even even the Republicans, it's hard to, you know, there, there's so much. It took, when I used to read all the bills, it took so long. It was so painful uh, just to read. And so many, so it's, it's hard to know. And you never know what happened. You know, they've, I would, if I were in that job, I'd be working to, to try to have relationships with folks on the other side. Like, is there anything I should be paying attention to? You know, and best things are going to slip through you. Uh, So, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's not a very big office. It's just a handful of people, but but, so we can't rely on, you know, the Republican, uh, people in the general assembly we we need private enterprises and if you look at things like RIPEC, Rhode Island Public Expenditure Council used to be called business-backed RIPEC. uh even some of their stuff talking about redistribution and in in school aid and that kind of thing they're they're starting to fall too so there's there's really we need private we need incentives for private organizations that their job is to look for this stuff and they, they right. go out of business if they're not. And that's just, that incentive is just not there because people are, I think it's almost like businesses have made their peace with it. Either, either I'm staying and I'm going to deal with it or I'm leaving. And I, I think that's a lot of them are probably just leaving and will be suffering for that over the next few decades. I think the way the story is written, even how they mention it's Nancy Lavin, how tucked inside the 125 page bill. That's another thing that people need to understand is I know sometimes people would say, why are these bills so long? And, and so, you know, what does it really need to be 125 pages long? Well, if you're trying to hide and tuck in information, then you want as long as possible, because something like that would jump off the page if just say it was, you know, 20 pages or 25 pages. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on The John DePietro Show. 
Propane Plus, call them today. Heating and cooling in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com, and then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, propane plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. The Johnson family, three generations heating and cooling you can always depend on propane plus our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz managing editor anchorising.com now justin as far as the cd1 race we're getting a sense of who got their signatures in i'm curious though to hear uh your reaction to its official labor's international union of north america the biggest is the now endorsing sabina matos for lieutenant governor this is the group they got went all in on the McKee Matos team. Uh, he promised them we'll build the soccer stadium. They promised we'll uh, two hundred million for the Superman building. At one point, the Bain Tower was in play, and now uh, they've decided they're they're going with the Matos campaign for Congress. Yeah, I mean, the, it's it's an indication of the how how much our government is bought. I mean, we're we're in a very dangerous position where where this endorsement means so much to politics because basically you're talking about uh, a special interest that wants things from the government. And I mean, if you, if it were, I don't know, the NRA or, or some, some other organization, the, the progressives around here would, would have no trouble seeing it, but they're on, they're on board with, with labor unions uh, electing people to serve them. And Matos and McKee are part of, they've been running as a ticket. They're part of the group that says, yeah, you, you, Give us money and and you'll get your way. I mean that's really what it comes down to, and it's 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 such a shame because now now she'll get the she'll get the advantage of the the donations and the the people you know on the ground working for her and the, oh, the yeah. mail ballot harvesting and yeah. the, and, and and for what? So she'll go to Congress and and give the unions everything they want. I mean there's there's an inherent corruption to the relationship between a Democrat party and, and labor unions, especially in Rhode Island. And it's, I don't know, it's, uh, it's a, it's a tough thing to overcome. It's interesting how they are choosing her. Um, I think they realized they had success manipulating her and governor McKee. So why not just kind of stay on the horse that you rode in Now, Justin also um, we had a little bit of a minor controversy, but your thoughts, I think there's more to it as well that either no one wanted to talk about or the media didn't get into, but it has to do with this Top Golf. It's a huge operation. Uh, it's all around the country. It, the, the building is $40 million of its private money. You and I talked about Crowley and company. They were all picketing outside there. They had the big fat pig and all this other stuff because they were using private contractors. Um, but they initially were going to call it Providence Golf and then uh, Providence Top Golf. And then Mayor Hopkins jumped in. And said, basically, I, I have a problem that this thing is going to be right across from Garden City in Chapel View, where Citizens Bank Complex was, and uh, and either make it Cranston Top Golf or make it Rhode Island Top Golf. And the company did change. I think what's, I want to hear your thoughts on that. But I think what's also missed a little bit um, is I hear the term. Uh, I'll and I'll just be candid about it, but I'll have. Uh, the word providence is now a negative and i think it's more about that as opposed to you know city territorial i'll have restaurant owners that will say we had a little bit of a providence crowd came in last night uh sometimes the police in different places will say well you know we had a little bit of the providence crowd come down i i think the image of unruly uh behavior everything that you and i talked about 2020 I, I think they almost view it as, uh, I'm not sure, you know, people don't want to go on Federal Hill anymore, go out in Providence. I, I think Providence is kind of become synonymous with problematic and problematic crowd. But I want to hear your thoughts on it, because I, I think uh, 
only Republican mayor in the, in the, the state. But I think Mayor Hopkins handled it fairly well. Well, I, 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 I get the, uh, the comment you make about, you know, the, the Providence crowd. And, uh, yeah. and you do see that from time to time where, where the, the mayors of the surrounding cities will, will be sure to say, no, 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 that stops at their line. It's not right here. No. On the other hand, I mean, this kind of thing, it, it, it feels kind of petty. I mean, you, you're in Rhode Island. Providence is the capital. Uh, it's not. And, and so if you're near the capital city in one of the larger cities in the, in the region, it's not, uh, you know, okay, it's Cranston, big deal. Um, I, I do worry that, you know, this, this idea that the mayor of the town is saying, I don't like your business name. <laughs> that, that doesn't, that doesn't sit very okay. well with me. Just the idea yeah. that, you know, it, it just, all right, whatever. I mean, it's, it's called go, top golf Providence. I mean, I don't, I don't, the idea that there would be some kind of a, a pressure from the mayor. I, I think that's, Thanks. that's going a little bit too, too far in my book, but I, I do understand that it is telling the desire uh, to, to, differentiate yourself from Providence, but I think there are probably better ways a, a, a city government could do that. And I think, you know, you, you are right. And we, we see it some, sometimes the Patriots be on Monday Night Football and then, you know, coming out of the commercial, they'll show the skyline of Boston where we all know, you know, Foxborough is so much closer to Providence, but it gives people the impression that they're, they're playing right near Boston. I, I think the top golf Dallas is, is actually not in Dallas. It's in a suburb you know, close to Dallas, but it's just like a, a mind thing. But I, I think it has more to do with that they would not be aware of, but let's just say if someone was called at Central Falls Brewery, uh, that certainly has a different ring to it than say if it was Cumber Cumberland Brewery, or if it was, you know, I, I, that's what I think is at play simply because whether it be, as you say, the mayor Johnson, mayor North Providence, um, anyone that surrounds Providence, sometimes they can be kind of outspoken that it's it's problematic when, quote, the Providence crowd um, comes in. So mm. but I understand what you're saying, where, you know, what are they what are they supposed to do then if they're not going to switch it? I'm also curious, um, Justin. So that right now there is a, a lawsuit over this whole business of, you know, shore access, shoreline access. And God, it's, it seems to be the only thing the Providence Journal writes about anymore. Uh, but now, instead of the high tide line, it's 10 feet above that. And you have these people specifically, apparently in Charlestown, where they go exactly where there are people who their property is right on the water and goes down to the water. And that's the spot they want to pick on to sit on. And it's gotten so bad that a security company who was trying to work with some of these beachfront property owners, they no longer want to be in the midst of this, this whole battle between those that want to be able to lay their towel down in front of someone's house, as opposed to, you know, just finding like the public beach or somewhere else uh, to, to go to the beach. Yeah. I mean, it, well, the, it does show the, it, it's kind of a, a, in some ways a silly story, but it, it does show the danger of, of the turn towards socialism in a social media era yeah. i mean that's because really what what's happened is these the activists um i think his name scott keely who i think initially pushed this idea with this exact same spot and he went back to a spot he was initially a few years ago accosted by a, a private security detail uh he went back there and said let me provoke these folks and see if i get away with it and then what do you do you go to social media you make it a a, a the summer interest story that catches some national waves. And then you've got the, the security company saying, yeah, we, we don't really want to be involved with this. It's making us look bad that we're in for our client wants us to do this particular job. And that's, that's uh, it's, it's, it's not, it's not as benign as it sounds, just giving people access to the water. I mean, you're literally with the passage of this law, they, they literally took away exclusive uh, use of, of 10 feet of people's property yeah. you can like that or not but they could do it anywhere there's some woods behind my house if they put a park back there they go oh well we need 10 more feet of, of property so let's just anybody off the off the woods you lose 10 feet of your property i mean think about that and a lot of these shorefront properties i don't know about this particular one apparently it's a, it sounds like it's the first property in south kingstown off the charlestown beach but um, i don't know how large it is but a lot of those beachfront properties are not huge <laughs> 10 feet off the front off one side of your property is kind of a big deal some of them the beach practically is their backyard so the idea that the government can just take that away and where it, it's controversial to try to try to enforce a, a, 
the property line. I think that's that's a dangerous situation, and uh, I think the the idea of these activists who who are taking this kind of glee. All right, I'm going to go back to this spot. I'm going to set yeah. up. And you know who knows? They set up a little tent here. I'm going to make it clear that I'm I'm not just passing through. I'm settling in on your property. Yep. That's here for the day. Yeah, exactly. The idea that the government can just just do that and take that away, I it it really ought to make people uncomfortable. Well, we don't get any of that conversation. It becomes all this this oh look at the rich beachfront people trying to keep yep. out the public from their access their God given access to the water. You know yep. that's it just becomes so ridiculous. But they it feels like a test run. It feels like if they can yep. do this, you just lose you just lose your property. It's it's a property taking. It really is. And I hope the lawsuit succeeds because it's it's egregious. The government needs to be slapped down on this one. Now, Justin, also, uh, in regards to State Senator Josh Miller, who's going to be in court uh, this week and then also got another charge added. But uh, I'd like to know your thoughts and reaction on the candidates, uh, Democrats in the race that won't even comment on it. And even the Senate president won't comment. What's comical to me is these people comment on everything and they never hesitated to comment on anything. This guy, not only, you know, did he seemingly was lying obstruction to a police officer, but he he keyed a 20-year-old's car simply because it had a Biden suck sticker on it. And these people running for office and trying to say, oh, you know, that's that's really none of my business. Up to the constituents. Another one said, well, that really doesn't have to do with our campaign. So we're just not going to comment on it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you, you contrast it, as, as you and I both know, and we've, we've talked about with Republicans. I mean, we recently we talked about a Republican who didn't want the media at one of his announcements. And because right. you know, they roll out the questions, what do you think of Donald Trump? What do you think of fascists? What do you think of Proud Boy? You know, those they, they've got a comment. And in this case, I don't know, I come back to my very first question with, with this is, what what would he have to do? If he if he punched the kid, would that be enough to say, yeah, yeah. I'm going to comment and say that was wrong? I mean, how hard is it to say elected officials should not be keying people's cars? <laughs> Period. I mean, right. you could you could then say it's up to his constituents whether they want him to leave or not. Okay, <laughs> but how hard is it to say this is not? And you can't escape the feeling that they don't want to say it, not just because he remains, I guess, an influential person at the state house, but uh, but they they agree with it. They think this is the punch a Nazi crowd. I think you know this is, these are the people who say, you know what, if if I don't like what you've got on your car, I should be able to key it because you're wrong and you have no rights if you disagree with me. I mean, that's the underlying theme that bothers me here, yeah. and the idea that that. The media wouldn't kind of enforce that on the Democrats. I think is is telling. I mean, it's, you get you get major headlines when somebody puts a flyer somewhere supposedly recruiting for some kind of white nationalist group. An anonymous flyer, one or three, found somewhere. That's news. Mayors, the mayors of Prov- the mayor of Providence will have a have a press conference to talk about how hate does not belong here. Um, but keying somebody's car, so it's it's a. We're in a very bad situation where I, I think the these candidates themselves was it uh, Sandra Cano and Anna Quesada yeah. they 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 basically disqualify themselves or they ought to because they don't have any respect for the idea that you're elected you'll be representing people you don't agree with I mean that's the job you yeah. can push your policies but but and if you have that attitude which they clearly don't then you don't want people keying their cars. Even though you know that it has nothing to do with your campaign, I mean, it's just it's just so obvious, and people used to know that. And Justin, finally, the Channel Ten headline is almost comical: free tuition program costs Rhode Island taxpayers twelve million. It's you and I have talked about this. There's nothing free about taxpayer-funded tuition program. Just look at the headline alone. What? What? There's no such thing as a free lunch. There's no such thing as free tuition. That costs twelve million. Who? Who knows? Uh, what what all that really does is it just goes into the state worker pipeline, which is essentially now why they have Rhode Island College there, just for all the state workers that have jobs there. But th- there's nothing free about a program that costs $12 million. No, certainly not. And I mean, at least Channel 10 was looking at the cost. That's somebody, it's good that somebody's True. looking into that. But the it, the indication is, to me, is the, the way the state's going completely about these sorts of things in the wrong way. It is, as you say, it's a government handout for a, a state agency. It's also a vote buying uh, 
gimme to say, look, we, we give kids free tuition. But it's, it's completely the wrong approach to things. We, we give, I mean, one thing that was interesting in that article is they talked about how many students might leave. I mean, at least they raised that possibility. And that is the real issue here. We spend a lot of money on education in Rhode Island, yet we give the kids no no opportunity when they graduate. And so many of them will leave and, and improve other states with the education that we subsidized for them. That's the problem. We need to focus on the economy and not in, in creating opportunity with allowing, say, independent contractors, not scaring every business off with, with over heavy handed union organization mandates. I mean, that's where we should focus, not giving money to students. And, you know, I think a lot of these, I mean, I certainly had the experience when I graduated from the University of Rhode Island, I couldn't find jobs in my to, to, in my degree area, in this, in this area. So I, I went into carpentry, which I loved, and I did that for a while. But when you hear these statistics, like, oh, you know, 60% of them stay in the state. Okay, maybe, but what are they doing? Did they find right. jobs with their degrees? And if not, then then we just paid for them to take it easy for a couple of years, potentially, to get a degree they're not using. And that's, that's the, the conversation on this could be so much more elevated than it is. Folks, again, he's the managing editor at AnchorRising.com, our segment politics this week. He's Justin Katz. Justin, excellent job as always, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. I'll talk to you soon. Falcon Pest Services, when you have a pest problem, give them a call. Serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services, residential or commercial, whether it is for maybe you have some kind of a termite problem, bed bugs, ants, roaches. Listen, a mice problem. Mice can be problematic. Rats, mosquitoes, many other pests. Falcon Pest Services, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, all different types of programs, multifamily housing, condos, apartments, single-family homes, restaurants, office buildings, highly trained, experienced pest control technicians. Maybe it's once a year. Maybe it's a one-time treatment, monthly service, quarterly, or year-round protection. You can depend. Falcon Pest Services. Call them today for a free quote, 401 739 1322. Get your yard sprayed. Get rid of those mosquitoes. Falcon Pest Services. Call today, 401-739-1322. Falcon Pest Services. You can also find them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Former governor, uh, New Jersey governor, excuse me, uh, Chris Christie was on this week with Stephanopoulos. And I want to hear a little bit. I want to play, I should say, some of the sound of uh, him. Because there's things that he says that I think would be part of and be uh, make sense for the Republican platform. I'm not, I just, I don't see it right now for whatever reason. He had a window in 2012. I think it's closed. But the question is whether or not he can be a factor. He certainly can handle himself. Um, but I want to play because he's got some good responses here. New Jersey, current Republican candidate for president, Chris Christie. Chris, thanks for coming in Thank today. You. I want to talk about the broader race. But first, you weren't in Iowa. You weren't at the Tucker Carlson uh, forum. But if you were being pressed on Ukraine like that, how would you have responded? I would have said, you've always been wrong about this, Tucker, and you're still wrong. That, in fact, what's going on, George, is that this is a proxy war with China. The Chinese are funding the Russian war by buying Russian oil. They're coordinating with the Iranians to yep. provide lethal weapons uh, to the Russian army. That's right. And we can decide when to have this conflict. Right now, the Ukrainians are willing to fight That's this right. fight for themselves yep. if they have our support to be able to win it. Um, if the Chinese watch us back away from Ukraine, as Tucker Carlson and others would uh, advocate, believe me, the next move will be Taiwan. He was getting standing ovations. You don't think that's a big sell in the Republican Party? I don't. And I'll tell you, as I travel around, George, look, I'm not saying there's not some division in the party. There is. That's obvious. But I still absolutely believe, both from what I've seen in polling and what I'm experiencing anecdotally, that a majority of Republicans want us to be supporting Ukraine because those folks are fighting for their own freedom, their own liberty, and... They're degrading the Russian army and sending a message to the Chinese. Those are all good things for America. You know, I think one of the reasons why is just other people are not framing it the way he has. I also, I don't, I am at a loss of these people. I, I actually, I'm not at a loss. There are people out there saying, oh, a bunch of 
the War Machine and uh, Warhawks and uh, yeah, they're the ones that want this. You realize you sound like a liberal Democrat when you say that, but the problem is the people saying that have never been involved in politics. They've never followed it before President Trump. So they don't need, they're just repeating what they a phrase they heard. Uh, for President Trump to say, oh, if I was president, you know, the war, we would just hand Ukraine over to Russia be over in a day. Well, what good does that do us? And then China takes Taiwan. Christie is exactly right. It is a proxy war. This is we are fighting China. And I know some people are, that makes people uncomfortable. But what, what are we supposed to do? We have nations that are hostile towards us. The United States, we have a right to defend ourselves. Someone that's going to go is Putin. He has to go. There's no peace with him. All these people, Tulsi Gabbard, Trump, Tucker Carlson, you know, you got to make peace with Putin, give him what he wants. Yeah, that's what Neville Chamberlain said about, uh, about Hitler. Like, what is wrong with these people? I, I, I don't understand that at all. I, I'm with the Reagan doctrine. Chris Christie is exactly right. This is, this is a proxy for, yes. I like these people. What is this? Some kind of proxy? Yes, as a matter of fact, it is. And instead of our military, we're using the Ukrainian military and they're willing to fight. So this, Tucker Carlson, he, he's just wrong when it comes to Russia. He's I think he's compromised. I think he got money from the Russians um, when his career was still kind of sputtering along around 2014, 2015. He was just a weekend host on Fox and Friends. So I think that's exactly what happened. But that I, I don't agree. I don't get this whole mamby-pamby, progressive, liberal approach. Neville Chamberlain, head in the sand. We're afraid of Russia. Um, we're afraid of China. What's wrong with some of you people? This is the United States of America we're talking about. What happened to Reagan? What happened to Top Gun? What happened? We, we, are, we are the West. The West is the best. Oh, that's just a bunch of warmongers. Yeah, that's what that's what AOC says. That's the company you're keeping. Here's where I, I, I don't agree where what Christie talks about trying to get him on the debate stage. Does this mean that you're going to make the debate stage. You've qualified to make the debate stage. You think Donald Trump's going to be there? No. You know, George, I do. I really? do think he'll be there. Yeah, I think he'll be there because, look, I've known him for a long time, as you know. Um, his ego, I think, will not permit him to have a big TV show that he's not on. Um, and I think he'd be enormously frustrated sitting back at Bedminster and watching what I'm going to do to him on that like you're stage. Him to, come in, to come in. No, look, I mean, I don't think I have to. Well, but you I'm asked happy to say right now, come on, Donald, get on the stage and defend your record. You know, if you want to be the nominee, you need to defend your record. And he has a record four years as president where he didn't deliver on a lot of issues that Republicans care deeply about. He didn't repeal and replace Obamacare like he said he would, even though he had a Republican Congress. He, he said he was going to balance the budget. He added $6 trillion to the national debt. Uh, he said he was going to build the wall in Mexico. He bought, built 47 miles of new wall. He, hey, George, more than had been done. Years, he needed 110 years as president um, to be able to finish the you wall. Know, you know, I, I disagree with, with that type of talk. And, you know, going up against President Trump in that way. President Trump did a lot of tremendous things. I, it, listen, I've spoken with a member of the Trump camp, and I said, no, I would not debate just yet until the field shakes out a little bit. There's too many people there. There's too many people that have nothing to lose and everything to gain if he's part of it. So should he debate? Yeah, in time, when the field shakes out a little bit, but not, not right now. Let it feel uh, shake out a little bit. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. Check out DePietro.com. We have merchandise, all the shows, video, exclusive stories waiting for you right there at DePietro.com.